If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba the Bloom, episode 38, to continue our pocket of pockets of ADP breakdowns, middle of the rounds, later rounds, to get you ready for your 2023 fantasy baseball drafts that are ramping up as we are in February, folks. It's crazy. It's February. It is officially go time. All you slackers like football, it's over. Come join the party. We're here to make it happen for you. You can find me on Twitter at BDM Trick My Coast. As always, try not to tell me I'm an idiot by laughing at me on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, Ryan Bloomfield. How we doing, my friend? See, man, the, the sarcasm voice comes out on the pod. It doesn't yeah. sometimes come out on, on uh, 180 characters. So yep. um, I thought that was pretty good. Happy, yeah, happy February. We we rang in the new month with a draft. So we, yeah, we, yeah you we twisted my arm up, pretty uh, hard. <laughs> I put out the, it's funny, I had like a work training thing. It was like a three hour thing. And right before I went in the training, uh, we just finished up our first pitch speaker draft. And so I didn't have a draft going. So got to start up a new one. I saw the, the DC was one out of 15 filled. And so I said, let's do this. Put out the bat signal on Twitter. And by the time my little training was done, we were drafting. So that um, was awesome. Bunch of bunch of friends of uh, the pod and first pitch folks as well. So we're already, I guess, in the sixth round on the second day. I'll take it. It's not bad. Not bad bad for a four hour draft. And um, yeah, it's been fun. It's loaded. Like you said, friends of the show, friends of first pitch, 
uh, NFPC veterans in here. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's like three of us without a badge, and I'm one of them. So yeah, they they smelt the the free money in the water, and they came to find it. So it'll be fun. It's I'll say this much: doing these podcasts, um, I always joke that I like to do podcasts because they help me learn how to be better. And they have because it's at least given me an idea of wanting to kind of focus on before it gets to the nastiness that is going to be the later rounds. So it's been good. It's been really good. So we'll yeah, see how it goes. I, yeah, we've been talking so much about like how I can wait on first base in you know ADP hundred to two hundred. Yeah, I took Freddie Freeman in the first round. So <laughs> throw that out. Yeah, Bloom's Bloom's drafted Bloom's drafted ninth. I got eleven, so we're kind of kind of next yeah. to each other. We only have like an NFPC, like almost Hall of Famer. It should be a Hall of Famer, Nathan Souza, right between us. Yeah. So that's a that's a fun one. Um, FTN's Mister Souza. So uh, we got that going on, and many other people in this draft. So we'll probably have like a recap draft episode in a week or two, depends on how far we get. Maybe get some of these voices on with us, have a little fun talking about. Uh, the DC. Plus, we have some other fun stuff coming up. I want to give it all away, but we might have a few extra shows coming your way besides just your Thursday night Bub and the Bloom specials. That that won't stop. That's coming, but uh, throw a little more more fun in the mix for all you wonderful people. Uh, if you like to follow Twitter accounts, at Bubba Bloom with two two O's. Two O's, by the yeah. way. At yeah. Bubba Bloom Pod on the Twitter. Um, and if, if for some reason it doesn't show up in there, blame Elon Musk and then let us know and we'll get you a link. So yeah. uh, check it out. Yeah, seriously. Let me know if you don't see Bubba Bloom Pod as it's spelled. Um, it seems simple, but for some reason Bubba can't see like its tweets. And I run the Baseball HQ account um, as a social media guy. And I can't see the stuff from there either. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just a new account and Elon's rules or whatever. But uh, let us know. We did get a good chunk of followers when we when we put it out there. But I don't know. Yep. Stuff has changed since I last made an account like seven years ago. A lot has changed, my friend. A lot has changed. Now, so. Yeah, now I'm an old trying to do it. That's the best part about it. The olds trying to figure out social media and what the kids are calling like hip and cool these days, which probably isn't the word they're using. So yes, that shows you everything right there. Uh, Whatever's lit, I guess, is uh, what's going on. Um, What is lit is Grayson Rodriguez might be starting the year with the Baltimore Orioles and it's getting uh, fantasy baseball, Twitter and whatever ablaze because, oh my goodness, one of the top prospect pitchers in baseball might start out in the bigs. I have my thoughts on this, Ryan. I'll get your thoughts first, but I'm guessing we're going to be pretty similar on this one. Um, over the last like six or seven drafts, his ADP is just inside 200. So he's, he was going high already, but some people are really excited about this. So what are your thoughts on uh, Grace Rodriguez maybe making the starting rotation? I want to say maybe making the starting rotation. I mean, I, yeah, I think you know which way we're we're both going to side since we're so uh, so damn conservative. <laughs> um, even even where Rodriguez, like you said, he's creeping in the top two hundred. Rodriguez is going to go higher. Like I, I think in the next couple of weeks, and if he truly does make the rotation, like I think you're looking at a top one fifty pick. Grayson Rodriguez is HQ's top pitching prospect, top pitching prospect for 2023 as well. Like there are reasons, legitimate reasons to get excited here. Like I'm excited. Honestly, like taking the fantasy standpoint out, we are seeing if this comes to fruition, we're seeing one of the game's best prospects at the beginning of the season. Like that's, that's what I want to see as a fan, as a fantasy player. Yeah. I'm going to list out, Grayson Rodriguez's innings pitched the last couple mm. of years, 73 innings last year, 103 in 2021. Who knows what he did in 2020. 
and 94 innings in 2019. So Grayson Rodriguez, if he starts the year in the rotation and stays in the rotation the entire year without innings restrictions, that's like going from 70 innings last year to 170, 180 on your best prospect. I, Baltimore's not going to do that. So like I, I, I mean, I would think Baltimore's not going to do that. I think we're going to see them play it very safe with Rodriguez. I think we're going to see a lot of 70 pitch, 80 pitch outings, four innings, five innings. That makes it really hard. Um, And that's what I would do if I were the Orioles. That's the way to get Rodriguez and stretch him out throughout the entire season. From a fantasy standpoint, it's really tough. And then you layer that on the prospect pedigree and the hype and all that sort of thing and the rising draft cost. I, I, I'm going to be out. I, I can just tell already on Rodriguez. Yep, we are in Simpatico, my friend. It's uh, it's strictly the innings thing. It's all it is for me because they've already said he will start, but will also be on an innings limit. And that limit is suspected to be around 120 or 130. So like mm-hmm. you said, it's going to be a lot of 70 and 80 pitch games. Maybe he makes it five once in a while. Who knows? It could be a lot like they did with Tyler Wells last year where and these are different pitchers. Don't get me wrong. It was the same thing. We saw a lot of three, four, sometimes five inning outings from Tyler Wells. Then he went to the back of the bullpen. And that's kind of how things worked with him. Could be the same with Grayson. Could be piggybacking with guys. They do have a lot of young arms in Baltimore. They have a very good bullpen. Uh, but uh, some people I've talked to that know the Orioles very well, they've also said the same thing. It's going to be a piggyback situation. He's going to go 70, 80 pitches and – It'll be fun. They're jacked. They're hyped as Orioles fans. But when it comes to fantasy relevance, we might be waiting one more year for the guy. That's the biggest thing. Yep. All right. Philadelphia, they have another young stud as well on Andrew Painter. And this guy was already getting drafted uh, early in draft season. People were pretty jacked up on what he brings to the table. And um, he's got an ADP around 320 right now, give or take. The rumor said um, they said he might start the season. He's going to have a chance to start the season. I guess it would be him versus Bailey Falter, potentially. But in the end, sure, his ADP is a lot lower than Grace Rodriguez. And I'll just beat you to this one. I'm still out because I just don't know the innings. But uh, I'll see what you have to say on this. I mean, you can kind of, I guess you can't copy paste podcast yeah. segments, but if you could copy paste the. Grayson Rodriguez, explanation for Painter. It's interesting, like the projection systems on fan graphs that you know, I know, like the, the Bat Bat X have notoriously been a little bit conservative with prospects. They all have Rodriguez projected around four ERA and Painter around a four five. So, wow. um, again, like I mean, just that, that relative difference between the two is interesting to me. But yeah, I mean, I think the innings concerns with Painter is actually even even more of a concern than Rodriguez painter did throw like 30 more innings than Rodriguez last year, but the kid's 19. He's only thrown, he hasn't even thrown 30 innings above high a in his career. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Some might say that this is escalating quickly is how how that one would go. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. It's fun. It's fun for baseball to see these guys come up, but it's just for fantasy relevance, maybe temporary those expectations folks. Now, this one we might be able to get a little jacked up about uh, if if it comes to fruition. I'm still iffing it because it is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as long as Dave Roberts is signing the lineup card, it's an if. Uh, Miguel Vargas, ADP of around 270 right now. We've we've loved the talent. We've loved the power he showcased in the minors, some speed. It's just like, where's his playing time at? And when they made the Miguel Rojas trade, we talked about it on the show. We're like, well, where's Miguel Vargas going to go? It makes no sense. 
Well, now the reports came out that Miguel Vargas is slated, barring something changing, to be the everyday or primary second baseman with the Dodgers. Miguel Vargas would, or, or Miguel, Miguel Rojas will end up being a utility bench player with Gavin Lux playing shortstop full time, which kind of surprised me just a bit. But um, Miguel Vargas all of a sudden maybe being a second baseman, which would mean he'd gain first base, second base eligibility as well, becomes very enticing. That is true because he would enter the season as a second. Yeah, he already has first base eligibility. First base, He'd gain it up, base yeah. a couple weeks in. And that sweet, sweet middle corner that goes yep. with it. That's what it's all about. Kind of backwards. Like usually you see prospects start up the middle and then they get old and fat and mm-hmm. like all of us and they move I to the corner. I played first base a lot of the time in softball. I get it. Yeah. Um, Vargas. Going the opposite. I mean, I guess he has played a little bit. He's played, Vargas has played 28 games at second base in his minor league career over like four years, which isn't really that much. So, like, it's the position eligibility is great. Um, I do wonder how much are they throwing at this kid? Uh, they're going to have to, I know he's he has technically faced MLB pitching, but he's really going to face MLB pitching and they're going to have a book on him in 2023. While at the same time, Vargas is, I would argue, learning a new position. That's just a lot to ask for a 23 year old in LA with all of the, I mean, he's the team's top prospect, all of the weight and expectations of, of all of that. So, um, yeah, I sound like so repetitive. Probably, probably I mean, we have our DVR and I have Vargas on our on our XFL team. So that's great news for that. You got that going for you compared to some other things we've talked about. This year. To, yes, he might actually be our <laughs> as odd as it sounds, our Trevor Story replacement. At second See, there you go. I never thought that would happen. Um, but I don't know. Vargas, he's exciting. He's, I guess, maybe cheap enough to where I'd take a shot, but I do worry about that learning new position on the fly, especially without the shift rules. You can't really hide. You can't really hide any deficiencies at second base, and LA is obviously moving him there. They're confident, and I'm not doubting that. Um, it's just a lot to throw at the kid. Yeah, like I said, it means Rojas goes to the bench. It means Chris Taylor probably gets stuck as the everyday or in a platoon in the corner infield potentially or outfield. I mean. Still moving pieces in LA as usual, but the fact that Vargas may have an everyday role, quite enticing. Much better than it was when we talked about him a couple episodes ago. So, yeah. liking that a lot. Uh, last bit of news. It's like the first episode in a while. We haven't had a ton of news, but and even we joked about this when I put Zach Granke signs with the Royals, and we're both like kidding because we don't care about Zach Granke to draft, but he changes the rotation a bit. Not that you're in love with the Kansas City rotation, but it is funny. If you go to roster resource, he's slated as the SP1 on their starting pitching says a lot, which you have Brady Singer probably, but you know, they have lot, they have Lyles, yeah. Singer, Yarborough, Keller in their starting five with Granky. And then it is interesting though, because you know, Carlos Hernandez did start at one point in time. I'm not saying you have to, but if you look at their minor leagues, you got guys that we've seen many times, Lynch, Bubich, uh, Jackson Coar, not saying these are great pitchers, but he's basically pushing these young guys back to triple a, which I guess in DC formats, you can start crossing things off is basically where this goes. Yeah, you've got Jonathan Heasley. You've got, I don't know if you mentioned Max Castillo. <clears throat> All those guys are like now competing for two spots. Um, Greinke, like, I don't know. Greinke's kind of like that, like, older guy at the party who's fun for a little while. And then he just kind of keeps hanging around and hanging around. And you're like, all right, man, it's time to time to go home. Um, 
baseball's better with Zach Greinke in it. Fun dude, but uh, would like to see some of these young arms get get a shot. And so, yeah, that's a it's a really crowded Kansas City rotation, and it's kind of crowded with mediocrity. It's not like they've I don't know they've got a whole lot. So I don't know. It could be could be a rough year in Kansas City. Yet again, yet again. again. So we'll see how that plays out. But it was an interesting move. There hasn't been a lot of transactions this past week besides like extensions. The Rays are going full Rays. So stuff like that. Nothing to really talk about on this show. But we do get to talk about we've done one through 150, 100 through 150. We've done 150 to 200. Pocket round three, 200 to 250 ADP, Mr. Bloomfield, from uh, January 15th through the 31st. And for those keeping track at home, that counts for 10 drafts. So I'll let you have the floor here, but like usual, we'll talk positions, we'll talk statistics, we'll talk kind of trends we're noticing throughout these deals to hopefully keep opening the eyes to potential strengths and weaknesses as you go deeper into drafts. Yeah, this this is really like compared to the last two weeks, the last two episodes that we've done, I think the talent really, really starts to fall off now. Um Position wise, it's actually distributed quite well. Like there's not really a single position um, that is not accounted for in 200 to 250. You've got seven first basemen, nine second basemen, six shortstops, uh, seven third basemen. The thing is just like it's it's the quality of that group. Like your second basemen are Brandon Drury, Luis Arias, Bryson Stott, Josh Rojas might be part-timer. We just talked about Gavin Lux, um, Colton Wong, who actually kind of like around 250. But um, you can kind of tell, like, these are not the guys you want starting for your squad. Um, so position-wise, nothing, at least to me, I don't know about you, Bubba, but nothing really stood out to me is where, like, oh, there's a glut of position X. Um, it, it, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty evenly distributed, but it's also pretty, like, yeah, you're, you're digging deep for some gems here. I guess if we'll break it down more, but if I have to give like my rough synopsis here, it's the bright side is, is if you are planning your draft out, your spreadsheet in it, your flow chart in it, whatever you're doing, you have tons of options here to fill positions. And are the quality options? Pick your poison. Um, like he's mentioned, Colton Wong. I'm a fan there. If you want to buy into Ramon Laureano or you want to Benintendi in Chicago, like there's options. I'm going to say that much. Um, you're, you're noticing when Ryan puts these, um, these charts out on, uh, at Bubba Bloom pod on Twitter on Too Friday, right. that, um, the color schemes are a lot more light green, reds, and pinks compared to more greens and dark greens. Like you got, you got some, but a lot of those dark green guys come with a heck of a wart somewhere else. So that's <laughs> something to keep in mind. And then like, I know we didn't really go into pitching, but it's the, the initial thing that stood out to me in pitching right out the gate is this is where you start to really get those spec closer situations popping up. This is where it starts yeah. to really get kicking. So maybe that's something to think about when you're drafting here. If you're not going super closer heavy, this might be the spot to start ramping that up. But it's like, we'll get to there. We usually go back and forth with hitters for a bit first. But um, when you're looking, I guess, statistically, Ryan, at these hitters, what's, I guess, if we're having to target like either average power speed that makes you feel the most comfortable, I guess, how would you approach this range? 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we'll talk about some of these individual guys in a little bit. Uh, I think speed really, really does now start to dry up. With the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, yeah, you can kind of keep p- piecing together these 10 to 15 stolen base guys. Uh, there's a couple of those guys that are projected for like 10, 15, Benintendi, Loriano, Stott, maybe Josh Rojas, maybe Gene Segura um, kind of a deal. You've got like the three, we call them the three rabbits uh, that basically do all the heavy lifting for steals in this group. And it'll be a fascinating combina- uh, conversation, but we've got Mondesi, Esteri Ruiz, and Jorge Mateo going. So there is speed. Uh, there is speed here, but it's more of the rabbit variety. Home run, the power really kind of starts to dry up. There's kind of like deep greens on the sheet, which again, I'll post off the the um the podcast twitter account like that deep green which is really good it's only 22 home runs so like it's all relative there's not a single guy projected for more than 22 home runs in this tier uh by atc projections the place that i saw that actually seemed to be a strength was batting average man like i thought there were some you know you've got i mentioned luis arias but um there are some decent batting average guys that aren't really like zeros in power or speed either. So like I mentioned Gene Segura, 270, uh, projected 11 homers, 12 steals. Like there's these kind of guys who aren't totally empty, not totally elite batting average, but there's a good number of like 270 batting average guys where if you need to uh, pound that ratio, you can do that at, at some expense to homers and steals. But um, that was one that kind of stuck out. Batting average didn't didn't totally dry up for me on the hitter side. Yeah, and that's true, especially considering like I, I harp on it a lot is we used to expect that in average you need like 270, 280 guys, but when league average goes to like 230, 235, even these guys hitting 245, 250 aren't crushing you if you built your team properly. And I think most players are smart enough to know that batting average just gets worse as you go farther down the draft. That's definitely a, a thing more often than not. So you'd hope you'd have a decent enough base where these 240s to 250 guys really aren't hurting you at all. So you can focus on the power, the speed, whatever statistic you're trying to find there. And there are a couple of guys like like Josh Naylor. I'm a huge fan of, and he's you know he he's in this range. Um, I think it's a lot of like corner infield and middle infielders. I don't think you want these specific, specifically your primary infield positions. Maybe we'll see. Maybe you want Colton Wong or, or Gene Segura. Like I don't hate it. I do want to ask you about specific guys since we have a little extra time today compared to, to uh, since we have a million transactions to go through. Um, just because he's not on any of our lists throughout the episode here, so I did want to bring him up. For Colorado, you got Ezekiel Tovar. And if you look at this range, 273, 14, and 11 is his ATC projection. And, you know, he's, he's, he's supposed to play out the gate as a starting shortstop in Colorado. It's already a plus. He's young. He's 21. We've seen him in the minors. Okay power, tons of speed. He's hit for average in most stops of the minors, especially lately. Um, but it's a guy that we haven't seen. You know, he's had nine games in the bigs, 35 plate yeah. appearances. So we haven't yeah. seen a ton but at that projection, it's almost like if he's as good as the pedigree is, he's 21, there might be more to that is what I'm trying to say. And I, I, I'm, it's a lot of what ifs and, and that kind of stuff. But if you're looking at this range, you're hoping for upside. You're starting to get to that point. And that's why I just wanted to ask you, what do you think of it? Maybe HQ's got different thoughts in the – I haven't looked at his player blurb yet. But uh, what are your thoughts on Tobar? He stood out to me when I was looking at this list. Yeah, and even showed like, and I know we're like tiny, tiny samples in the major, but even even showed some power speed combo in the majors. I thought so. Yeah, our HQ and the forecaster we ended 
Tovar's box saying he could deliver double digit homers and steals right out of the gate. And given Tovar's like age, I mean, there's upside for that. And this is absolutely the time of the draft where I am um, more willing to go for like a Tovar um, than maybe even like a Gene Segura, who is more established. Maybe there's a safer floor there, but they're starting to get this late in the draft. You're okay to kind of take those risks in my opinion. So Tovar is absolutely somebody um, who could, who could swipe at least 20 bags and you get Coors Field for that batting average. All he has to do is kind of hold at least some semblance of the pretty much elite uh, strikeout rate that he showed in most of the minors. Um, Double A, he he slipped a little bit back last season, 22% K rate. Uh, It was in the teens for most of his minor league career. So uh, play skill, speed in that park. Tovar for me is, is actually a pretty, pretty lucrative dude going this late. Yeah, he just stood out because like literally there's no really red or pink in his thing. He's one of the only guys on the entire offensive side. And like with his age, I'm like, ah, that could be even better when all things yeah. are said and done. So um that's that that was one, but yeah, otherwise it's a lot of speculating, I would say, uh hoping for the best. Like you got your De La Cruzes who had the big finish, but what's he gonna do? Like there's so many of these guys that um it's a lot of like maybe fourth, if not fifth outfielders, corner infield, middle infield. You're at that point in the draft. Um, obviously, some teams, if you're playing 15 team leagues, you're starting middle, like second shortstops, just the way it works. But uh, in, in a perfect world, you already have a pretty solid base, is what it comes down to in this one. You also have, like, so you mentioned Tovar, but I, I'm just kind of noticing this. You have the, like, not the elite prospects, but there, this is where the market I is figured. taking shots yeah. on, on Tovar, but Josh Young. Yep. Uh, taking shots on Tristan Casas, taking mm-hmm. shots at Gabriel Moreno, taking shots CJ Abrams. Like this is where the market's saying, like if you're going to go, not for the, the the primo prospects. Maybe they had that bad cup of coffee, like in Josh Young's case, and the um, and the the market's a little bit down. But this is this is where you need to jump in if you're if you're liking some of those kind of second tier uh, prospects without much MLB history. Well, let's rock the boat real quick. Would you rather go with Tovar or Bryson Stott, who's in this range, who everybody loves? And if you just look at their stat line outside of the bad average, power speed projection-wise is close. So I'd still go Tovar personally, but I'm curious what your thoughts would be because people love Stott. People love Stott and Stott second base shortstop. Um, I think I'd lean Tovar. I just yeah. think there's a higher ceiling there. Yep, Knowing full well that maybe Tovar, you can't use him on the road, that doesn't sure. help. But I just, I, I think there's more shot of a breakout with Tovar. 100%. So, anything else on the offense, or you want to look at some uh, pitching, which honestly, compared to last week, it might not be the quality, but there's a lot more fun in this pitching range to me than last week's pitching range. Yeah, there's some interesting dudes. The, um, I think to start with the closers, Bubba, and you you mentioned this too. This is <clears throat> similar to where like the market is starting to speculate on those second tier prospects. This is where the market is speculating on on saves. So you've got Alex Lang, who I don't know where his ADP will ultimately settle. I'm not even sure if he's Detroit's closer, but um, he's he's presumably Detroit's closer at a 213 ADP. You've got Kyle Finnegan at 220. We've got Jorge Lopez, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Kendall Graveman. Like there are, there are bodies here. And the the first the hundred picks before this, there really weren't. I think there's actually more save targets in this pocket than there were the last two weeks combined. Definitely. Um, not to say like, and I I mean out of that out of that group, I would if I'm 
if I'm specking on a closer, I'd go Alex Lang or Kendall Graveman. Um, I don't really think Finnegan's that good. Jorge Lopez ended the season so bad with Minnesota. You've got Evan Phillips there. I, I didn't even mention him. Um, so they're there. Yeah. You're starting to see the market go into those, you know, that general philosophy. Oh, I want to lock up a, a, an elite closer early on and then back them up with a couple shots late. This is where those shots later are starting to creep in. Yeah. hundred percent. It gets real interesting in this range. Yeah. You said Lang and, um, Graveman for sure. I don't even know how Lopez's projection for 21. I thought Duran and company would be there to mess with things, yeah. but maybe Duran's the high leverage guy and Lopez will fall into him. Who knows? Duran's going much higher than Lopez. So, and then you got Sir, Anth- Sir Anthony's there and there's like seven closers in Philadelphia. So who knows how that cookie crumbles, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting range there on the starting pitching front. Now this is where I kind of like it. If you know, we're talking pick two hundreds to two fifty. So you're deeper into your draft. You hopefully have, what, five starters by now hopefully four or five for sure maybe more and um this is where you there's a couple guys here like you know does detmers bounce back if he ever stayed healthy that's a big if like the talent that, that has always been there so like at this adp it's kind of like i've actually started to look at heaney as a game like I'm worth a risk at this point in time uh sunny gray does he bounce back like you got alex cobb we all know alex cobb and then you just go down like eovaldi there's a group of starting pitchers here where it felt like previously there were a bunch of risk, risk, risk ones, or, you know, do we take the massive jump upside ones where these are guys, we know who they are. It's been more of a health or a down season, but they've got a longer pedigree where we've seen success, if that makes sense. So like, mm-hmm. I'm willing to say it's like the old HQ adage, right? Once you show a skill, you own a skill. And these guys have owned a skill. They just had like a rough year because of an injury or something. Did they lose it? Like Barrios is down here. He lost it. Like it felt like, but then there's other guys where I'm willing to kind of, dig in and look more at basically yep absolutely i and that's why these guys are discounted so much is i think because of the health you could argue health is maybe a skill as well on the pitching side with some of these guys like flaherty um but yeah um there are a few guys on here where if i knew they would go 160 170 innings andrew heaney i'm looking Mm -hmm. at you um these are the these are the picks that can absolutely make that difference and and you look at you look at a lot of the kind of overall winning teams the the, you know the main event winners those sorts of things it's not those early round picks yes they hit on most of those guys there's there's some early whiffs it's these like post 200 that they just hit the nuts on and um i can absolutely see a andrew heaney and aaron ashby those are two like super popular starting pitchers that are going in this range that if they click, man, um, considerable ceiling and could be SP2s that you're getting at a SP5 price. And you'd remember probably better than I, but was this the range of Robbie Ray a couple of years ago or is it the next range we're going to do? Because if it is, if this is the range, I could legit see a handful of these guys making that jump. Like maybe not all the way to Cy Young jump, but when we had a question a few weeks ago who would be a top 50 guy, I'm not saying Heaney could be, but if he gives you 170 innings, I would. It's pretty good. It's pretty good with his with his stats. So it's just interesting. Let me check on that. I have ADP in the last. I know you did an article on it last year, the speculator or whatever. So it's probably yeah. Robbie Ray, coming off of the 2020 season, had a 260. So it'll be next week. Okay, so I knew it was close. 260 ADP. God, that's crazy. And then well, the, the next year still stands like the flaw. It's just, it's starting to get into that area. Oh yeah. Oh no, absolutely. That, that 
that point is extremely valid. Man, eighty Robbie Ray's as an aside, Robbie Ray's ADP throughout his career, 2018, 47, then 123, 121, and then 2020 happened, 260, and now uh 45 last year. And you just took him. I was just about to say I was gonna do the math real quick. Six times fifteen is what's there's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 90? Uh, uh, 75. <laughs> yeah, 75. So I still like pick 80. 80p80 right now. Mm-hmm. So that's my SP2. SP2. Him and Zach Gallon going to battle, folks. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's, a, it's a good combo. Actually. Yeah, it's an interesting range here, though. Like, uh, And there's a lot of 150 plus strikeout guys also, if you're looking for Ks. That's another area that kind of seemed like in the last realm was washed up. But I think we can agree the last realm of pitchers, again, there's a lot of like younger guys. Could they take the jump? And if they took the jump, 150 is happening. The projections were more cautious on them. So maybe it, mm-hmm. it didn't come as much. But this seems like a range where you can kind of gain some strikeouts as well if you're in need of them. Yep, there's a handful, maybe six guys over over 150. Projected. I would throw Evaldi into that too. He's a health reason why it's low, but yeah. So maybe I shouldn't throw him in there, but we know um, Evaldi. Like, yeah. I don't know. This is uh, this is a tough. Ryan year got for really me, quiet man. right there. That was a little like hit heartstrings. I'm still I'm still at at Evaldi's funeral. It's it's been a rough <laughs> off season. Who had a worse funeral? You at Evaldi's or Toby's at Vladito's a couple years ago? Which one was worse? Vlad. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. at least you only saw it every fifth day. <laughs> Much more high profile. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. All right. Do you have anything else you want on these or you want to do some ADP battles? Let's do some. Let's do some ADP comps. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's fun. And that is the gift of these ranges is you don't have to look very far to find some similarity in some of these guys, which is fun to make these little comps. Um so usually they're positional or something along the lines. And I'll take the first one because the first one was the one I made on the list here. And it's a guy I've come to love in Mr. Ryan McMahon. And then one of the shiny new toys in uh, Josh, Josh Young to see Young. if he'll... Uh, Got it. Yeah, I took, I'm all tongue-tied today. I don't know what's going on. I haven't even drank. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Josh Young is, you know, I think you talked about him at FPES, right? Was it on your panel? Yep, we did. Yeah, so I thought it was your panel. Um, and we know the hit tool is insane for Josh Young. Like, we know it's really, really good for Josh Young. It's just, in reality, we didn't even think he was coming back last year. The fact he came back and played that much was pretty impressive with the injury he had. Um, so he's got that going for him. The power's 
there. Got a little speed, but the bad average tool has been outstanding. You got Ryan McMahon, and this is why I like Ryan McMahon. I've always liked Ryan McMahon. You can pretty much pencil in like 20-plus home runs, give or take 150 to 160 runs in RBIs, get you a handful of steals, and hit you around 250. Like that, like just the fact you can pencil that in is pretty outstanding. And I've always been a believer there's more there. It hasn't happened yet, but if you just look at his quality of contacts and metrics and everything, he just continues to really hit the ball well, in my opinion. I don't know how to make it sound any sweeter than that, but he's boring to some because people also thought he should be better than this. Then they got Josh Young, who people have very high expectations for. So how do you look at this ADP debate? Yeah, it was kind of like, I don't know, not, not shaking my head, but when you say, yeah, you can pencil in Ryan McMahon for like 20 homers, 250. It's like, uh, that's... If, I think if you're taking McMahon... And then he Did went you look on at his said, last like, three full seasons. Yeah. And well, yeah. And he said, there's, you know, another level. And I, 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 that, that I can buy. I think you're, you're spot on with McMahon that the quality of contact is actually freaking awesome. Yeah. And that's why I'm waiting. Where's the other level? It's there somewhere. He's just got to hit it in the air. Fly ball rate 33% last year. Like yeah. that's why he's only getting 20 home runs. Um, I would, I would, I would lean McMahon over Young, but I I can certainly see someone taking Josh Young. Like the thing with Josh Young is this guy was a top pretty much consensus top 25 prospect last season and you alluded to it Bubba had the shoulder thing people weren't even expecting him to be back. He did come back which A tells me like he really wanted to freaking get back out there on the field. He has the work ethic to to do it. <clears throat> I don't want to say he rushed back, but he got back, went right into the majors and got like toasted. And I mean, what, what else was supposed to happen? So if you believe in Josh Young as a prospect last year, I think this is even more of a buying opportunity. So I, 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 I think I'd probably go young actually, just because this is spot in the draft where I'm going to take those shots. Um, I just think McMahon, I don't, I don't know if he has that, that, that other level in him. Yeah, I'm a sucker for McMahon. I'm just going to keep – because one of these <laughs> – the old saying, one of these years it's going to happen, and if I miss it, I swear to God, it's going to be so annoying. Um, I it's will just, say – The other thing with McMahon, the other thing with McMahon that I that is, I think, important is like – it's like a double split. Like his oh, home yeah. road, but and lefty. So you're, you're, you're kind of banking on him on weeks where it's course heavy and right-handed heavy. So I don't know. Very true, and that has been, a thing, has been a thing with him. And he, he used to be better because he had second base, third base in the past. It's third base only this year, so that kind of bums it out a little bit. So I, I haven't rushed to attack him in drafts anywhere, but I thought this pocket having McMahon, who I think has almost gotten boring to people, and then you have Josh Young, who is this new shiny toy that we're waiting, like, hey, shoulder injury is healthy, let's do it. If you want the upside, I'm with Ryan, If you because we, we know what that Young – like you wouldn't be shocked if he had 30 home runs, would you? Like maybe. Nope. So like it's there. Or McMahon would shock us probably if he had 30 home runs. Like even though I believe it's there somewhere, he just hasn't done it and he's had a chance for so long. I'd probably still go McMahon just because I'm so cautious in what I do and I should start taking chances here. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to go McMahon. It's an interesting one. It's literally, do you want the shiny toy or do you want the kind of boring, but now veteran? It's actually, it's, I didn't even realize this until just looking at it now. McMahon is, um, he's only three years older than Young. Yeah. He's just been doing Young, young is one, not that young to make a terrible joke, but 
That's he's a joke. I would make. I'm rubbing off on you. I am rubbing <laughs> off on you. This is beautiful. That is, is terrible. Um, but this is his age 25 season. I thought Young was younger. I thought he was like well, 22, 23. Well, now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some good nicknames for him. It could be Josh, not so young. Um, youngry like the wolf. No, I don't know. I got nothing. That was just a, that Josh, was a bad. Not really, as really young bad. as we thought. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, we got some fun with this one, but uh, we'll move on so no one has to suffer for this. Keep listening, please. Um, who is your first ADP battle? Um, all right, that's one I, I just think is fascinating, and it is those three rabbits. So like, <laughs> I almost think your goal is to not have to be faced with this decision in drafts. Um, I say that as someone who has already drafted Asteri Ruiz in drafts. Uh, but these are three like if if they hit you can wait on speed and make up for if you're really deficient in speed early on, something happened, got sniped, whatever. Um, you could look at one of these three to hit. It's just like, which one? With Mondesi, and I'll just kind of run through them real quick. Um, Mondesi, I mean, we all know the, the injury. He can't, the injury history, he can't really hit. Like the play skills are terrible, has some pop. I think should play most of the time, I guess, in Boston. You've got Jorge Mateo, who from like a real life standpoint, like, yeah, the defense is pretty good, but I don't know how often Jorge Mateo, like, I don't know how long Baltimore can put his OBP. I mean, the guy had a 267 OBP last year. Like, how long can Baltimore keep that OBP in their lineup? And then you've got Asteri Ruiz, who has like no track record, but I think is going to play pretty much every day in Oakland. And that's why out of these three, I think if you're waiting and you want to take a, a stab at stolen bases, I would go Ruiz out of these three. I just cannot get over looking at Ruiz's uh, minor league numbers. And like, it's just wild what he did in the minors. It's wild mm-hmm. how fast he is. And I don't really care that much about the park. He's in a perfect situation in Oakland where I think they just play him and run him. And I think for fantasy purposes, um, that leash and that green light is going to be, um, I think, pretty pretty sweet for Ruiz this year. Yeah, we're pretty much on the same page. Ruiz, I've even drafted in a few spots because I'm not a fan of drafting rabbits, but I also think he's more of like a 240 hitter than what we saw last year because um, you look at his minor league numbers. He was just so young. I think he adapts and becomes more of that. The A's have no reason not to play him, and there's got to be a point in the year where you think if he's hitting at least 240, just, just that much, why is he not leading off instead of Tony Kemp? Like, why not? Yep. What do you have yep. to lose? Yep. And then if you put if you put Ruiz leading off instead of the projected ninth spot on roster resource, that just ups those chances even more. So I'll take my chances with Ruiz, who should play most of the time in Oakland. Montessi, we all know the talent's there, but like when's he gonna play? That's just, that's the million dollar question. And then Mateo's the interesting one because if you look at roster resource on Thursday, February second, he's on the bench in a utility mm-hmm. role, which is not bad consider it makes sense based on the OBP you mentioned and the average and everything, even though we saw him play everywhere last year. And um, I just happened to do a Baltimore podcast on Thursday and I was surprised when I saw that it stood out to me. So I had questions and the rumors are they would like him to play, but they have enough other quality options that can actually get on base. And then even in the minor leagues that, if Mateo keeps slipping up, he will definitely be a bench bat. So, well, yeah, it's I mean, Gunnar Henderson's entrenched, and they signed Adam Frazier. Like, yeah, yeah, they signed Adam. The Frazier signing was what kind of really tipped it 
basically. And then they have a couple options even down below. So one to keep an eye on. It's almost say that one. It surprised me because I, I figured it'd be like, well, before they signed a uh, Frazier, I figured it'd be like Henderson at third, Mateo at short and uh, Urias at second, but they started moving pieces around. So one to keep an eye on with the Mateo one, but I'm with you. I would go ST Lurie Ruiz. Do you know Bubba how many bases he stole last year off the Mateo? top of your head? No, Mysterio Ruiz in the minors. Oh, between the minors, it was. I looked at it like two weeks ago. It was. <laughs> I had to bring out 80, the calculator. Eighty-seven or something. Eighty-six, pretty good. Yeah, I remember it was. I, I had to do that too. I had my phone calculator out between, so between a, three levels. It was between three levels or something. Dude, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's why I couldn't calculate it mm-hmm. um, in my head. 86 Net, steals yeah, hit over nuts. 300. Like, I get minor leagues, but like, good lord. No one does that. No one's done that since William Ace Hayes. Like, I'd love to see Esther Ruiz's wall. Does he have all the, the the gloves nailed to it, too? Or, sorry, that's a bad major league joke, people. Bad major league joke. But, uh, yeah, just, it, 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 if he even gets, because that just shows you he's got like a potential for at least 50. Like, yep, no one does yep. that. No one yep. does that anymore. So, and we're not saying he's, I mean, we're certainly not saying he's a slam dunk to do this. If, if, no. if Ruiz was a slam dunk to do this, he, he would be a like top, top 50, 50 pick. pick. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Where, Same where exact he was before. So, it's yeah. just like if you're in a draft and you need steals and you're looking at Ruiz, Mondesi, Mateo, I, I, I think it's pretty clear. And I love it. And this is the answer everybody hates so much. I love him in DC formats because you have to draft so many outfielder pieces of depth. If for some reason he doesn't work out, okay, I have other options. I'm it's fine, but uh, and you don't have to worry about dropping him. So if things start to work out later in the season, he slide him back in. Where in a fab league, you drop him and then pray you fabbed him back or something. So well, that was my other, and that that's a really good point. Like in standalone leagues, and this was always one of my big cases against Mondesi, is like yes, if he hits in a redraft league, if Mondesi hits, you have a few other stolen base guys you might win steals in your league by like 30 steals and you didn't even need half of what Mondesi did. So like from a valuation standpoint, those 60 steals, whatever, if he hit looks great on like a dollar amount, but in your actual standings, you're either like way short if he gets hurt or you have way too much excess if it all hits. And those are kind of like wasted bags. And then overall there's, there's not as much risk of beating, you know, 500 teams by 30 steals. 100%. All right. My next one, both going with an ADP of 242. Tristan Casas of the Boston Red Sox and Big Willie Myers (laughs) of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, Both first base. Myers has outfield as well because he's Big Willie. But um, this one's fun to me because I professed my love for Will Myers going to Great American Small Park on many shows already. And it's very entertaining here that he's right next to Tristan Casas, who I've been slowly gravitating towards as an intriguing option. Because, you know, we've been talking about these young players that might take that jump because they'll get comfortable, per se. Well, in 95 games last year, only five homers and at 197. But throughout his entire minor league career, we've seen a completely different Tristan Casas. And one thing I liked about it, even though he couldn't hit for average, 20% walk rate in the bigs, 20%. And he's been like basically 15% or higher. So he's got great play discipline. If anything, maybe just a slight bit more aggressive would be a big thing for him. That's um, where I'm going. That's yep. Yeah. Cause like we've seen that even with Votto, like you don't have to go to the extent of walking 10%, but take that 20 to like 14. Like you could still be uber productive. 
Uh, and then you got Will Myers, who we, I've talked about many times. If he plays a full season in that ballpark, you're talking 15 to 20 homers. Maybe he runs a little more. I'm not counting on that as much anymore. But he, to me, he's got a pretty decent floor in Great American Small Park. Where I think Costas' ceiling is pretty darn intriguing if he makes a couple adjustments. So I lean Costas here, which might surprise many. What do you like? Yeah, I'm stunned, man. How'd you go, Big Willie? A um, couple things on Casas, and I think you nailed it. Like, I, I, I don't know. If this is like a pet peeve of mine, but especially with prospects and like in real life baseball, a 20% walk rate is like fantastic. Dude has great plate discipline. That's the thing you want to see from a from a prospect coming up in the minors. You want to see that selectivity. From a fantasy standpoint, this is the reason why I'm like fading Juan Soto early on. I, I walks do not do really anything. any, especially with Casas, who doesn't run. Walks do nothing for Tristan Casas. Maybe he gets like five or ten more runs, which yes matters. But if you're walking fifteen to twenty percent of your plate appearances, I almost see that as a fifteen to twenty percent plate appearance cut out of the projections. Those are just wasted plate appearances yeah, no rbis um, not that right stuff. exactly yeah. like all you're getting is like five to ten runs if if tristan costas is a big stolen base guy then yes all for sure like whatever um he's not and so like you don't have even if he hits for a good batting average which i'm not sure is even a given like around 20 percent k rate through the minors which is good um which is good i, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy here um, I just think this is a profile that's much more valuable in real life baseball than it is in fantasy. And so for that case, I'm going to go Will Myers for kind of the reasons, Bubba, you mentioned in terms of like the playing time in the park, at least until he gets hurt. Um, I'm not like huge on Will Myers this year. I, I, I don't know if the stolen base total comes back. Like maybe it does with the, with the rule changes, but Will Myers only has, um, how many steals do you have the last three years? 12 steals the last three seasons combined. So I don't know if that comes back, but I think a little bit does with the new rules. I think the batting average and the power in that park is good enough to at least give Myers this one last year the edge over someone like Casas. Yeah, it'll be very interesting with Tristan if he what changes he does or doesn't make. That's the best way I can put it. Because because also just to add on to your, your point, if if it's fewer walks, and you said instead of five to ten more runs, maybe it's five more home runs, which is five more runs just and maybe huge. ten to fifteen more RBIs. Like it just it just totally snowballs everything. So I'm really curious because you know if we're noticing that, you'd imagine the Red Sox would be like, "Hey kid, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're doing this, yeah. okay." Like so, I'm really curious. Like, hey, Big Poppy, can you come to camp for a week? Come talk to Casas and show him like because Poppy had great play discipline. But just like, hey, this is what we do, kid. Like, let's work on this. So we'll see what happens. It's it's a very interesting one, the veteran versus the rookie, basically. Not, I guess he is technically still a rookie. So we'll yeah. be interesting. Yep. All right. What's your last ADP battle? Yep. Casas rookie by design, so he can qualify uh, this year. Um, two uh, two duds starting pitchers, Jose Barrios versus Nate Avaldi. Um, I thought this was just interesting because we kind of talked a little bit about this before the type of starting pitcher that's available here. Just two dudes coming off of terrible seasons for different reasons. And I don't know which one's the better reason. Evaldi, like we can obviously point to the shoulder, the lower velocity in the second half. Like that's why Evaldi 
was terrible last year. Jose Barrios, I still don't know what happened. Um, between the two, I'm going to go Evaldi just because I think we're going to have – oh, well, of course he's Evaldi. Um, we're going to have those spring training readings. We're going to get to be able to see what Evaldi looks like before we get into our kind of big drafts in March. And for that reason, like, I'm going to lean Evaldi now. If he's hurt in spring or whatever, velocity is still like low 90s as he ended the season last year, then I might go Barrios, but I just don't know what happened to Barrios last year. And yes, there's some bounce back opportunity given, given the track record and that, and that sort of thing. But um, man, it all fell apart really bad and there's really no explanation for it, which is kind of scary. Yeah. It's, it's the no explanation that really, really makes me want to be like, what in the world happened with Barrios? Like everyone tried to say maybe the home road splits and this, that, and the other it was just brutal. Uh, with Evaldi, like you said, he pinpointed what it was, but I'm going to just play counterpoint on the two. I, I'm going to say, first off, I will take a Evaldi in this mess. But if we have to kind of like pick grain of salt stuff, you know, Evaldi's with the ratios, no matter how many innings, is usually pretty darn solid. But outside of 2021, we're at 182. He hasn't pitched more than 120 since 2015. So um, longevity could be an issue with Nate Evaldi. That's one thing I will point out to – Still keep you cons- and I, I say the longevity part because even though Barrios was bad last year, still got you 12 wins and 172 innings pitched. And then it was 192, it was 200, 192. He's always been a workhorse. He's always been a workhorse that's put up good ratios and good numbers. But even last year, 172 is a good chunk of innings. Um, now when they're that bad of innings, it really hurts. <laughs> that's what I, I was gonna, yeah, that's no, what I was gonna you. add. I, I, I got of a you. 142. I whip. got you. I got you. <laughs> but my point was like he still finished the deal basically, where Evaldi, you're right, for yes. like the upteenth time, got his season cut short. And that's where I'm still going Evaldi because I'd rather almost have the short season that still produces the way Evaldi did. But man, this is one of those deals if we see Barrios show any signs of like new pitch or new windup or something different early on. He's definitely worth buying back into because it's a great rotation in Toronto, phenomenal offense behind him. We don't know what the new dimensions will be because they're coming in with the higher walls. Like some smart people say it shouldn't matter that much. Really? We'll see. But, um, Ambrios isn't, you know, he has his home run to fly ball, even 13.5. Not great. But my point is he's a workhorse. And we've all said it time and time again, innings, 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 and especially if they come with good ratios, which he usually gives is tremendous. So he's a guy to monitor. I'm going to Evaldi on this, but I just want to bring that point up that we've seen it with him, even in the bad years, that if something just looks a little like pitchers and catchers report in like 10 days or so. So start watching for blurbs from beat writers or something, because I don't see him just walking away as a, a scrub. He's going to be 29 this year, still super young. Former Giants prospect, by the way. So um, just keep an I eye on Bruce. I thought he was. No, no, never mind. He's twins. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow. I'm thinking Johan Santana. Never mind. That was the wrong twins when we traded him. But um, yeah, keep an eye on uh, Jose Brios just for that factor. Don't like completely write him off just yet. Like, I don't want to draft him at this point in time, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see something change with him. Yeah. All right. Let's get into a couple targets and fades of ours. I'll let you go first, Mr. Bloomfield. I like this first one you got here. So who do you got? Um, yeah, I got for target here. I got CJ Abrams. So, and, and I kind of purposely left him out of the Ruiz, Mondesi, um, Mateo discussion. Cause I, I feel CJ Abrams is a lot more than just a rabbit. I don't want to, don't, don't want to pin that on him. CJ Abrams was not ready at all for major league pitching. 
uh, last season. He he was just he was not ready. It was very obvious. He's too young. Didn't have the uh, the high minors experience to be able to adjust. And this is a guy who's been a top five prospect um, in fantasy circles. And are we just going to throw that away out of 284 at bats where he was overmatched? CJ Abrams is going to play every day on a terrible Nationals team. Playing time is going to be there. Age 22 season, like this. This is the prospect I buy. This is not. I don't. You know, it's not Grayson Rodriguez. It's not Andrew Painter when they when they escalate an ADP. It's your CJ Abrams who had that rough kind of first look at pitching when he didn't even shouldn't have even been there anyway. Um, so for all those reasons, CJ Abrams is a huge target of mine. Definitely a speed guy that you can grab, and I think has a really long leash playing time wise this late in the draft. Well, I really like him as well. So since we're in a draft together, you got to jump him a few rounds. I'm just gonna throw him out there too. No, I'm just kidding. No, I I echo everything you said. I think there's a lot to like about a guy who is going to start his season as the man, not having to try to earn a spot. He's still super young. Like so many things you like big fan, big fan of him. And one thing we saw, you mentioned in like a Bloomboards a while back where Lane Adams all of a sudden 11 attempts in the second half of the season of steals. All but I think one of CJ Abrams stolen bases came once he got traded to the Nationals. That's a really good point. No, you're right. Six, so, six of his seven steals were, were in the, six of his seven steals were in the second half. Shout out Lauren Auerbach on that one. She brought that up to my attention. So, because uh, she's big on him as well for a lot of the same reasons. So, okay. uh, keep, nice. keep, keep CJ in mind. Uh, I think there's there's stuff to like there. Uh, my first target would be Ramon Laureano. I talked about him plenty on shows. I think even this show when we did our outfield uh, recap. It's one of those guys that it's either been health or just stupidity that has kept him off the field because he's gotten some dumb suspensions and stuff. So maybe that's something to fade. Like if you, you know, maybe it's, it's something to fade. I don't know. But the talent is, you can't argue the talent. The legit, a guy that could be a 2020, at least a 2015 guy if things really click for him. Batting average has always been suspect. That, that's a fact. But power, speed, top of the A's order, not a great lineup, of course. But where you're getting him at, there's not a lot of those 2015-type guys. And um, I'll take him. Like It wasn't too long ago we were comparing him with Tommy Pham in drafts, and that was when Tommy Pham was elite. So I'll still go back to Loreano, who's going to be 28 this year. So many young guys to look been around forever. So, yeah, Roman Loreano is a target of mine because I'm believing hopefully he's growing up and learned his darn lesson and we can just play some baseball. We'll see. The projections like Loriana more than any other hitter in this pocket, for what it's worth. So. Good. So I'm, I'm on to something. Um, who's your next one? Um, I got – so we'll head over to the mound. I got I got your boy, um, Alex Cobb, because he got a lot of boys. He's just your boy, I guess, because he's on the Giants. Yep. Um, I just, there's no way, like by far the like unluckiest mm-hmm. <laughs> pitcher, at least in the first half last season, Alex Cobb has basically all the ingredients that I want a starting pitcher, elite ground ball rate. I think he's got the skills for an ERA down like 315, something like that. Health's always going to be a question, but Alex Cobb threw 150 innings last year. So, um, he, you know. A lot of guys did not throw 150 innings last year, and Alex Cobb threw 99 innings in the second half. So that always kind of goes back. That's my Zach Gallon example of someone who ended the season healthy. Um, for the for those reasons, Alex Cobb, I think, is a great buy, um, even though he's age 35 season. Velocity was up two miles an hour last year, man. Yep. Like that's crazy in, in your age 34 season. That's the it's the Charlie Morton path. 
It's the one thing the Giants do. They can work pitching, man. That's, they yep. do that very, very well. And honestly, like I want to add on too much to the stats you mentioned because it's all like, trust me, I've watched his starts and got so annoyed by the defense behind him. Um, the one thing I'm surprised at, honestly, must be because of the health concerns is his house is ATP to slow because everybody loves him and everyone's agreed that it was just, it's got to be 100% a health thing of why he's going down here because he stands out in this range in a big way compared to the other pitchers. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I'm going to go with kind of a boring veteran. Not even kind of he is a boring veteran. Um, and that's Gene Segura, a guy that we loved last year, Ryan. And then he got hurt. Like, and he was to- and he was doing everything we loved last year before he got hurt. And I think he's still got that in him. He's gonna hit you, you know, 270 plus, which is pretty awesome at this point in the draft. But he's also gonna do it unlike you know, Luis Rise and others. He's gonna get you double digit homers and steals. Like wh- how high? Probably not more than 15, but he's gonna get you 10 to 15 in both. He's going to hit at the top of the Marlins order, which not the best, but at least, you know, the top five or six are good in Miami. So he should score a handful of runs in that lineup. Hopefully Jazz gets to drive him in. That'd be awesome. So um, I like Gene Seguris because at this point in the draft, you've either taken a chance or there's someone else you want to take a chance on. He just gives you that stability up the middle. He's going to play nearly every day, and he's going to gain third base eligibility as well. So he's going to be second base and third base, which is going to be tremendous. Um, as we talk about all the time, that CIMI combo is so valuable as the season goes on with injuries. So I like Gene Segura for those reasons. Yeah, that's stuff. I'm glad you threw in that third base part at the end because probably, yeah, like second week of the year, Segura will be third base eligible. That's the, that's the good side of, of why I like the move to Miami. The bad side is like Segura is that accumulator who just relies on a heavy batting average. Those types of guys I want on good teams. Just because your counting sure. stats can can really you can take advantage of that. Whereas like in Asteri Ruiz, where it's all built on steals, like I don't care too much if he's on a bad team as long as they play him. So I think yeah. there is I'm not like talking out of one end and, and the other. Yeah. That I think there is kind of a difference there where like if Gene Segura mm-hmm. was even hitting like fifth or sixth on a, on like the Astros, I would absolutely love that. That's um, good point. Miami, yes, he is gonna play. He's gonna probably hit near the top of the lineup, like you said, but I don't know about like the RBI coming off the bottom half of uh, Miami's. He was much order. sexier when he was on Philadelphia. That is, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yep, <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. Who's your so. third one? Uh, who is my third one? It's a pitcher. Oh, Ashby. Darren Ashby. Man, I, I'm pick, I'm picking him. For the ceiling, I totally get why people are not. Aaron Ashby is one of the more polarizing guys. He doesn't go deep in the games. He's been hurt. He doesn't even have a rotation spot. <laughs> so those are the cons against Aaron Ashby. He's, he's Milwaukee's sixth starter, I, I believe, at this point. The pros, the highs are so high, though. The combination of strikeouts and ground balls that Aaron Ashby produces is extremely rare and so valuable um if he can even rein in a little bit of control i'm not even worried about the role we've talked about six starters all the time um he's gonna get a spot once freddie peralta gets hurt uh this season so aaron ashby is is my guy um listening to rates and barrels the other day dvr pointed out a fantastic stat um and actually looked it up for him while he was speaking and of course i I'm not gonna be able to pull it up. But Aaron Ashby's one of I think is he's one of five pitchers with a 30% CSW, which is called swinging strike rate, which is elite. Alex Fast statistic, um, a 30% CSW on four different pitches. 
which is really rare. So the other four, I just found it. The other four with that combination. So it's Ashby, it's Corbin Burns, Joe Musgrove, Max Scherzer, Brandon Woodruff. The only other four guys in baseball that have a 30% CSW on four different pitches. Ashby has all the stuff that I think he could be. We could be talking about a third round Aaron Ashby next season. So, um, yeah. So there we go. Yeah. The way I, the lazy approach I say is he's this year's Frank, uh, Freddie Peralta without hope for the injury. That's how I look at him. Like, you're look, he's the next guy to take the leap in Milwaukee because they just keep doing this year in and year out. It's Peralta, it was Burns, it was Woodruff. It's like, okay, make it happen, kid. He's nice. Um, as people probably realize by now, if you listen to the show long enough, I'm a boring drafter. That's just the way it is. I'm boring. So Justin Turner fits the mold beautifully. And I'm usually not a Justin Turner fan either, but I love the move to Boston. Absolutely love it because what Justin Turner's biggest issues have been has been staying healthy, which ironically, he played in 126 games last year and 151 the year before. So that's pretty good. Even off like 128, still pretty good for him. But what is better than this is he gets to be the, the full-time DH in, in Boston because obviously there's a guy named Rafael Devers playing third base. Whereas in L.A., it was third base, and he couldn't really DH because it was always Will Smith or Max Muncy or someone else kind of rotating through that. So what couldn't be the full-time guy? So you're going to get Justin Turner to hopefully play 140-plus games thanks to this DH option. Pretty good. He's going to most likely hit you 270 to 280. That's just what Justin Turner does. And the fact he can play maybe 140-plus games and stay healthy, you have a chance to another 20 home runs, middle of the order, at least the top half of that Boston lineup, maybe a little more is good. RBI should be in store for Justin Turner. I'm a fan of what you can get at that point, and most importantly, to the third base position that we've all talked about, how it gets nasty. And if you miss the top part, you got to start digging in. And there's there's options. There's obviously options throughout the drafts, like the Matt Chapmans, if you want the power, the Suarez's that we talked about. It's just another like rung down from them. So you're not getting a 30 home run guy, but you might get a 20 to 25. We've seen 30 home runs from Justin Turner. I don't think he's that guy anymore. But you give me a 20 to 25 at this point in the draft with a solid batting average. Maybe he gets you 80 RBIs and like 65 runs scored. Like those are all feasible in my mind in Boston. I think that's what makes him being a full-time DH pretty appealing to me here. 31 barrels last year. Thir- only 13 homers on 31 barrels. So the raw power. He's going to love there. that monster. He's going to love that short monster. Just elevate and go, kid. Funny. The next two. Um, your point about third base is really good, too. So the next few third basemen off the board after Justin Turner is Jordan Walker, who nope. we'll probably talk nope. about next week. But um, Anthony Rendon mm, and yeah. Haseon Kim, DJ LeMahieu. Like, I, I would take Turner it's nasty. Um, very it's nasty. easily over those guys. So, yeah, you're right. Like, after Turner there, it's – um if you don't it's have a third baseman yet. Yeah, yikes. pray. T's and P's. Um, yeah. Let's do a couple quick fades here. We each got one each. Is like, you made a great point. I'll just tell the people. It's kind of weird to put too many fades at you past ADP 200 because that's yeah. what these guys are. <laughs> all these but, guys suck. Fade them all. Yeah, but mine's kind of a lazy one, but it's just one I've. It's lazy, but I've said it forever. Like so, it's nothing new. Jack Flaherty, I'm going to continue to fade until he can prove he can pitch. Like stay healthy. Like, even when he came back last year from his injury, they never let him be a full go. It was like 36 innings and in nine games, eight of them starts. It was um, never too deep into the games. The ratio still sucked. The velocity wasn't great. He threw six innings in his final starts. He had a couple of five inning games, but nothing knocked your socks off. And walks were still a massive issue, massive issue, which is a control thing. So control and velocity were problems. 
I'm just I'm I'm far far away until I see something much better from him. Yep, for sure. And really, yeah, the skills haven't been there in a while either. So it's starting to starting to um take its toll, which sucks. Like Jack Flaherty was exciting as a as a pitcher, but uh my fade's gonna be Joey Maness. Oh god, Joey Manessas. There you go. I get it. There you go. Yep, you got it. Fresh, fresh off your lure an hour back. Yep. Nationals um episode. Joey Manessas. I just don't I don't know. The pedigree's not there, and it's kind of a half year. Um a great half year, but on a bad team, I would rather grab Will Myers later. I'd rather grab even Tristan Casas. I'd take a shot on Tristan Casas over Manessas, who's going after um, him at the position. So that'd be a fade for me. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. All right. We got one listener question. We've got three questions in the question. We have one listener came through this week, which is kind of surprising. I don't know. If, uh, I don't know. Maybe more maybe people, people take. Maybe- Maybe it's that rogue Twitter account that we made. The rogue Twitter account, or maybe because it's, you know, off week of football, people are taking the week off. I don't know. But our buddy Little Book of Comms coming through for us. So we'll do three questions or four questions out from him. First off, and he says lightning round is what he tells us. Um, who gets more plate appearance? And this is funny because this is kind of our stuff we already had. Who gets more plate appearances in 23, Mondesi or Mateo? Good question. I'll go Mondesi. Both less than Ruiz. Yes. Okay. I'm on the same page with you. And yeah, it's Mondesi just because I think while healthy, he will play where Mateo is a massive question mark right now. Much more, I think, people realized at the end of last season. Who is your favorite starting pitcher in this 200 to 250 range? Um, Cobb and Ashby. Uh, so, I, I mean, I obviously just talked about those guys. One other name to throw out there is Andrew Heaney. If he's healthy, yeah. man, he's going to be sweet. I like Cobb and Heaney a lot. If I have to throw one more out there, if you could just, God forbid, stop walking people, Patrick Sandoval has very yeah, good stuff. He can yep. stop walking people. And again, yep. he's young, and those things can change through time. So, like, there's hope. That's why this is a fun range of like hope when it comes to pitching. It's like, a lot of things you can see happen. Also, uh, then crazy. He's, like, I know this is lightning, but just like real quick, like, that's fine. Patrick Sandoval had a 291 ERA last year. Yeah. Uh, as a 26 year old pitcher, like before advanced metrics and analytics, this guy would probably be like a top yep. 100 pitcher. It's just crazy to see the market kind of shun him. And there are reasons, like you said, the control, but um, a 26 year old pitcher, 150 more strikeouts than innings, and a sub three ERA last year is going outside the 200. Uh, that's yep. pretty crazy. Because he even had a 367 exit, I'd take that. Like, even if, like, if you want to take get rid of the 291. It's just that walk rate, man, which walk in rate. reality, 9.4% walk, not great by any means, but like Dylan Cease ring a bell to anybody, just throwing it out there. Um, doesn't have the 30% K rate like Dylan Cease, but you know, this is a guy that's still, you know, you just listen to like Nick Pollock and stuff. They, he, he knows pitching, obviously. He loves the pitch mix of Sandoval. He loves the upside. Mm-hmm. He's the Irish Panda. So um, there is some very intriguing points when you look at him there. Uh, the other question from Little Book of Calm, and this is be a kind of answer this. I didn't even realize it. Is Tovar the everyday shortstop in Colorado? Yeah. How do the Rockies mess this up? I think he is, but yes, the Rockies could mess it up. What about you? Yeah, I guess the second part of that question was are they gonna was not are they gonna mess it up, is how are they gonna mess it up? So there is yeah. that, but yeah. I'm pretty confident Tovar's they're gonna give him some run. Yeah, he should be the dude. All right. That wraps us up, my friend. Another cool. episode in the books. Uh, we got 250 to 300 next week, which should be a ton of fun as we get deeper into the weeds. It's like, 
when we we've joked about it because it's true it's like the 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 talent level is obviously dropping that's why they're going later in drafts the statistics get murkier and you're kind of looking at maybe one or two stats we know these things going into it but when you look at them it's still interesting i think maybe the biggest take home from this outside of i am intrigued by more pitchers in this range compared to last week and maybe even the week before um is one of the first things you said when we talked about this range is position wise it's very spread out it's very uh, unlike previous weeks where you kind of had specific target ranges of like positions. This really can be a spot if you plan your draft out and you have certain guys like say you do like Tovar or you do like Colton Wong or you do like certain position players, you could draft differently ahead of that. Just be aggressive. Um, it, it, it is a lot different than other regions of the draft. Fascinating to see where the yeah, like when we look back at this episode at the end of the year, Abrams, Young. Gordon Walker, these prospects, which ones are going to pop, which ones aren't. Um, yep. That's going to make and break your leagues, guys. Yep, team prospects. Which prospects and then that slew of pitchers, which we all and say the, is like yep. injury concern guys or yep. these young guys, which one of them, like one or two of these guys that you would not be shocked takes that jump. So yep, which or, one goes, is it? or last 160, 170 innings. We know they're good. We just don't yep. know if they'll go that far. I, I'm willing to bet a couple of these guys will. So just for fun, I will we'll wrap it up after this question. If you're drafting per se, and this doesn't me asking because we are drafting, but I'm just saying if you're kind of navigating the minefields of your draft, would you rather come into this range and attack the offensive side of things or take chances on the starting pitching side of things? Um, I'd rather be short up in offense and take some shots. I'm with you. On the pitchers here. Yep. That's kind of how I feel too. That's kind of what I'm going to try to probably do in our draft, but yeah. I figure that's a, an angle I would look at because, yeah, for sure. Everything we said before. And these are the things you need to ask yourself going into a draft. And I don't know. Um, it's I think so much more. And the more I've learned this game and draft prep, it's yes, analyzing the individual players is super important. But looking at the draft at a macro level, seeing where you can get positions and categories at which spots in the draft, I think is even more valuable. Yeah, because especially at this spot, these spots in the draft as you get deeper, it legit needs to be like, I need positions and stats. I don't care what name comes next to them. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore. So, like you said, the macro level of it, like, in this range, how many, like, what ratios and strikeouts can I get? Or what could go that direction? I think that's a much, it's a different mindset for many people, all of us probably, but it's just something to um, maybe, maybe try. Just try it one time and see how, see how it goes for you. See what happens. All right, we'll wrap it up there, my friend. Uh, remember, everybody, check out the podcast on Twitter at Bubba Bloom Pod. It's with two O's, Bubba Bloom Pod. Um, we have a new podcast feed. Obviously, if you're listening to this, I think you found it, unless you're on YouTube or something. So go check that out on all your listening platforms. And more importantly, importantly, check out Mr. Bloomfield on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. I'm at BD Entrick. This was Bubba and the Bloom, episode 38. Catch you guys next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.